This is Crow Inquisitors, and we're back with some more original fiction. A Ripple All in due time, Narani purred, looking down at Alphonse from where her avatar floated. Her blue hair waved about lazily as if she was underwater, and the thin white gossamer gown she wore did little to hide her beautiful figure. Narani reached down and poked Alphonse's nose playfully. The handsome man's awestruck and bewildered face was almost cute as the goddess of water and marriage blurred and then disappeared like mist in the wind. Narani's attention returned to the plain of white light where she usually dwelt, and she looked about her to see her husband Tanis approaching her divan. Narani's body, she wasn't entirely sure if it could be called a body exactly, but she had seduced enough men with it that she was more than comfortable referring to it as such, lounged across the soft pillows strewn about the divan, and she looked up at her husband with barely concealed boredom. What is it now, Tanis? Can't you see that I'm busy? Tanis, who appeared as a large, muscular Garrick man with dark hair and an even darker countenance, wore black-plated armor and cradled a horned helm in his left arm. The white light that suffused this place seemed to dim and even shy away from the steward, creating a dark gray patch that moved with the deity of war as he approached. Her husband frowned down at her and growled softly. Yes, you look very engaged with your pillows there. Narani stretched languidly, giving her husband a plainly sensuous view of her body that would inspire even the most chaste fool to attentiveness. A woman needs her beauty sleep, does she not? But I'm feeling rather rested now, I admit. Care to take a tumble, dearest? Tanis hesitated for a moment before shaking his head. I came here with more important business than that, Narani. We need to talk about what you're fooling around with in Saran. Narani let her sensuousness turn rigid and stiff, like a happily bubbling brook freezing over, and glared at Tanis. Inwardly, she seethed that even her own husband could, at times, reject her. Even if it was a blatant ploy of hers to get him to disregard her involvement with the mortal world, a voice within her told her that Amaki could have seduced Tanis in that moment. It was an utter curse to be the second most beautiful goddess in the Garrick pantheon. That she knew well. That business doesn't concern you, husband, Narani said, conjuring a goblet of rich, dark wine and taking a drink. I have everything below dancing to a neat little tune of my own making. The composition may have taken years, but the symphony is gorgeous, you must say. You're disturbing forces you can't even begin to comprehend, Tannis spat, tightening his grip on his helm. You weren't there. You didn't have to fight these things. A veritable blessing handed down by our dear old father. She raised her goblet as if in toast. Tannis's frown deepened. I thought you hated the roles assigned to us. Narani gave him a smirk that doubled as a sneer. You can appreciate something you hate, dearest. In fact, one must appreciate what she hates if she ever hopes to use it. Narani took another drink of her wine. You're overreacting, love, I promise. Yes, the Order is involved, but they are still playing about as children in this world. They have learned a few vital secrets, yes, some of which I encouraged, but they are far from being uncontrollable. In fact, because they know more, they can be motivated to do more, and as long as they don't ever fully understand the ramifications of their knowledge, they will do quite nicely as pawns. All this for a petty bauble? Narani raised an eyebrow. Dear, now I know you haven't been paying attention. The keys are not baubles. 
Nirani sat up on her divan and patted the spot next to her. Please do sit down, love. It can't be comfortable sitting around in that armor all the time. Tannis continued to stand and stared at her. Nirani rolled her eyes. Imagine, Tannis, if you would, the power to open the gate. That's what keys do, after all. They unlock something. Now, we all know we would much rather prefer this particular gate never be opened. But say you had that sort of power, or at least one part of it. What wars would you be able to wage with it? Shadows you would be able to cast? Armies you would be able to raise? Tannis's frown began to lift, ever so slightly. You would give the key to me? Oh, darling, I am more than willing to share, of course. What is matrimony if not being one in mind, spirit, and body? She let the sled in the side of her dress fall inward around her leg, revealing even more of its shapeliness. Tannis glanced down at it, and a heat began to enter his face. Bite me, Amaki, Narani thought to no one in particular. I will need the key for a particular pet project of mine, but you are more than welcome to use it to bring whatever war you want. I even have a few ideas for you. A marriage ending at just the right time? A ship sinking? There are so many possibilities. Tannis growled with lust, both for her and for those possibilities. He stepped over, dropping his helm. As it clanked to the white light of the floor of this place, his armor vanished with it and he was suddenly wearing only a simple dark outfit of fine cloth. He took her arms and pinned her to the divan, hovering over her with a mad hunger in his eyes. Narani was just fine with this result, at least for now. Seduction had become one of her primary tools of manipulation, and this was all just another game. Tannis wasn't a terribly bad lover, either. The intensity of violence was ever so close to the intensity of passion. She had revealed more than she intended, but he was going to find out all of it sooner or later, and so this was as good a time as any to start weaving him into the tapestry. Part of Narani's attention was suddenly drawn away from the beginnings of their lovemaking, and she heard a woman's quiet voice coming from a sleepy fishing town. Beautiful Saint Narani, patron of matrimony, patron of the ocean waves that batter against these cliffs, hear my prayer. I know what I have to do, but I am weak. The fate of the world lies in my hand, and yet I grasp too tightly to desires that would hinder me from this all-consuming task. Lady Narani, though it seems strange, hear this request. Let love die within me, for it has become a hindrance to what I know must be the next step. Give me the ability to use my desire, not let it control me. Give me the strength of the crashing waves, though I am simply a humble servant, a meek woman fully in your power and in the great God's sovereign grace. Hear my plea, I beg you. Narani was intrigued. She had never prayed like that. Ever before, the prayers had been cloying and weak, mere complaining. Now, something about it compelled her. Maybe it was that the woman was finally speaking the language that Narani had spoken for thousands of years, the language that all true women spoke. Narani smiled inwardly. Oh, my child, she thought. I have tested you, haven't I? And yet I will grant this request. Go and do it. I will be watching, and I will be waiting to guide the tune again. It is time for a few new instruments to get their moment in the ear of the world. <laughs>